What's the what's the format on Saturday? Uh, we actually at this unless we get a rash of injuries here in the next uh, two practices, we actually are going to play a game. So before 15 minute uh, uh, quarters running running time, except for the last two minutes of both halves. Clock only starts for stops for timeouts called by the teams or the officials, except for the last two minutes of each half. There, it's not offense against defense, which we we toyed with that. You know that's the easiest thing to do at the, uh, in the spring. Actually, is just to play the offense against the defense. One. It's no, I'm just. It's the easiest thing just to keep the offense together and the defense together, because your numbers at certain positions are are are, are low. Um, but at this time, we get enough guys to. You know, go. You know, to, you know, two different teams. So, I have a couple wrinkles in there, but you know, you'll have to wait till Saturday because you'll see one rule in there that are clearly there's a great equalizer rule in there, and um, it has to do to an adjustment at halftime. So you'll wait till you get those rules, but uh, it should it, it should provide for an exciting second half, not a going through the motions. Based off this rule, the rule, so we'll just have to wait till that day. But you know, we've laid it out. You know, we spent a lot of time between me dividing it up and then talking to the coaching staff and getting together with Katie and get together with Heimer and, and get together with Kevin and everyone else to kind of get this all laid out. But as of right now, unless we have a bunch of guys go down in the next couple of days, you know, we'll be able, we'll be able to play a, you know two opposing teams. You haven't been able to do that in the past couple of years. Is this your preferred well, method? Actually, you know, I've done it so many different ways. You know, I've done it once against twos, once against ones. I had one year, at, uh, one year where I had only eight healthy offensive linemen, so they actually wore a different colored jersey, and they those eight guys played for both teams. I mean, so I mean, it all depends on the numbers you have. But, you know, so right now we got 11 healthy offensive linemen. You know, we got, you know, seven or eight yeah, d defensive linemen, uh, not including the Bucks, where we have four of them there. So, I mean, we, uh, we you know, there's certain positions we have more depth. Other positions, we you know, we don't have a bunch of guys. For, for example, there's two – I will explain one thing to you. There's two positions – left tackle and nickel, where we've been running two guys, both with the first team. So at left tackle, Lewandowski and Fondal have both played with, uh, with both teams. And at nickel, uh, as of late, Ja'Cory and, and Greg Allen have been running with the first team. So what we're going to do is we're going to split them up for a half. So in the first half, Lewandowski and Ja'Cory will be on the blue team. And, and Fondal and and Allen will be on the white team, and then at the halftime, they will switch teams so that they will have both played with both the first team and the second team. So those two guys, those four guys will be the only ones that are affected as far as flip-flopping teams. Now, really, because I'm not calling the offense, the only thing I'll do is, you know, if during the game, due to injury, we have to, we have, to have a, a quick trade, okay, I will set the terms of the trade, you know, so if we, all of a sudden you see one guy running from one side of the field to the other side of the field, you know, um, the one thing you'll notice, the quarterbacks will not be in red. Okay. 
there's only one guy that will have red on, and that will be Tony. But the quarterbacks will be live. You ever done that before? Nope. Is that so you see how they do under duress? It's because when the quarterback keeps the ball, you never know whether or not the, how many yards they would have gained, and you never can tell. You know, now they've been hit plenty of times in, in, in this <coughs> camp. They've been sacked. They've been hit in the back. They've been hit in the front. So, I mean, isn't the first time they've been hit. The goal is for them not to get hit. Okay, but in, in the running game, if they are going to have the ball in their hands, we kind of kind of know what's going to end up happening. Like Tony's been hit too. So the big thing we talked about today was going back and forth, whether or not we should just keep Tony without, you know, without a, a red jersey on or not. And, you know, after going back and forth and going over the pros and cons, I just, you know, the last thing I want to do is on the last practice slash scrimmage of the year, you know, go into the off season when he's had such a good off season, you know, with a setback. So I, 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 I was the deciding vote and to, voted to go in that direction. Would this be a good test run for your offense since you guys are doing so many different things? I think that you know that John asked me today. He goes, "What, uh, what should I hold?" And I said, "Nothing. Just go ahead and just go ahead and run it." Just go ahead and call play, call plays where you call plays. Now the thing is, you're not game planning, you know, really for this game. It isn't like, you know, actually when you get in training camp and an installation, it's actually worse than when you're game planning for a game, because everything that you've installed is available for it to be called. Whereas when you get ready for a game, you don't do that. You take, you know, you make it more game plan specific to that opponent. And the players are responsible for a lot less information going into a game than they are when you're going through installation in a training camp. Because then the whole playbook that you've installed is available. And really, they don't have a chance to zero in on just the things that are, that are you know, opponent-specific. Do you feel like right now at this point you have more speed and more well-conditioned athletes third year in? Yeah. I think we have – the answer to that question is yes and yes, but I think we have more talent. I think that's, that's probably the most important thing. I always expect them to be well-conditioned because of Hosopel. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Hosopel. Um, yes, have we upgraded our speed specifically on defense? I mean, we're a lot faster than we were before. Okay, but I asked Keesaw today, we were talking about the first three wide receivers, and he just came from Washington last year. And I just asked him, I asked him a simple question. I wanted to know whether the, our starting three wide receivers would have been in the two deep at Washington, so I wouldn't put them on the spot. I wouldn't say, well, you know, I just wanted to know whether or not they'd be in the two deep or not. So I went over, uh, I went over each guy, and he said that he thought that the three guys that are playing with the first group would all been in the two deep at Washington, and they were pretty prolific, in, you know, uh, on offense last year. So, you know, I think we're making some serious headway at that position, because I I told them you can answer however you want. I wasn't there. I could, I can't compare them. So, I think we have more talent, and I think that that really at the end of the day, talent's really what it comes down to. Tony looked uh, when I was paying attention Saturday. Uh, Looked like he had a few drops, but you said he's had a real good spring. Yeah, he's had a really good spring. You know, what he the thing is, he was he was nursing, you know, a little tightness, a, a little tightness in the, in his hamstring, 
So he wasn't really just like completely letting it loose, you know. But um, he's caught the ball very well. As a matter of fact, he hasn't really had too many problems as far as drop balls, except for the very beginning of the spring when he was first getting acclimated. And we haven't exactly played in mild weather this spring either. You know, it's been windy, it's been chilly, you know, so uh, the conditions have been pretty challenging, you know, to go through a spring when you're normally playing in that balmy, you know, weather with, without, you know, gale force winds out there. Any chance he'd be a return man, or is he too? Precious? Oh, he's working. He's working at both punt return and kickoff return. How good could he be at that? I think that. Um, well, I mean, he could be dynamic at either one. He already, as a kickoff returner, would be would would be very very dangerous. You know, punt returns a little different. First of all, you don't get a chance to return him very often. You know, with everyone run with all the spread punt that everyone runs, and you know, everyone in your face, you know, pretty quickly when you catch the ball. I mean, you need to be a little bit of a psycho to be a punt returner, you know. Um, that's why Connor Embry fit that very well. I mean, it really, he, he had nerves, great nerves. I think that as a cook-off returner, you're catching a ball. The guys are still at least 20 yards away from you when you catch the ball. So you get a full head of steam before, before any action takes place. Uh, I could see very easily him, you know, I know that Reggie's, Working, working with returners. I know he's he's got them penciled in there in the first two groups. And he's uh, how well kick returning? He's and he's punt returning and kickoff returning. He's working both of them. Kevin Short punt returning and kickoff returning. We, we have we're we're not all all of them are out there. That's pretty explosive potential. Yeah, we have we have some interesting candidates. You know, some interesting candidates. I think that. Know, let, let the dust settle right there, but we're, you know, you, know, you have that catch twenty-two. You want to make sure that you know, you know, you're not losing people on on in a return game. But if it if a guy can change field position for you in the return game, you got to put him out there. You obviously had a couple of scrimmages and stuff throughout the spring. Work with John in that way. Will Saturday give you a better indication of how he calls things on on game day? And no, because no, because he's not game planning. Okay. They, you really don't know that until they until they're game planning. You know, you know when when you're game planning when, you know you see uh, you know they hand you a game plan, and you you see how they're going to attack the people they're going against, and then you ask to, you know if you don't know the question why, then you ask well why are you going to do this? Why would you do that? I mean, there was a play last week that if I've been pretty good for him because there's some things that are, that are to me, common sense things that, um, that I can look at and say, hey, John, you sure you want to do that? I'll give you an example. We're running a man beater. And in man beaters, a lot of times you run crossing routes. Well, on one of the man beaters, we had Tony as the guy rubbing slash picking for the guy coming from the other side. I said, why would you use him? That makes no sense to me. So, needless to say, Tony is no longer the guy rubbing slash rub, rubbing on that play anymore. But I'm like things like that that are just to me as I'm looking at it. I mean, just common sense things like you don't want to do that, you know. But right now he's not worrying about game planning. He's just calling plays, you know, which is part of what, what you're doing when you're installing when you're installing. You, you said at the beginning of the spring that this was fun for you. 
watch someone else kind of try to run that? Have I don't know if it's fun. It's, it's, it's interesting for me because I've had so much more time to see things. A lot of times in practice, you don't see things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things you just don't see. You don't have time to see them. You know, and you know, I've been able to make points to both the guys on offense and the guys on defense. In the past, you know, I was enough time, enough, enough of this. You're just running the offense and talking to the quarterback. You know, so now you can you see so much more. You, you know, it doesn't take, and I spend a lot more time during the day now. You know, I'll spend, you know, I'll, I'll sit with the offense one day. I'll sit with the defense next one day. You know, and I'll just sit there, and those things will come up. And say, why would you do that? You know, why, why, I don't, explain to me why you do that, you know. And so it's been good because uh, it gives you an opportunity to challenge them mentally, you know, to make sure that they're at the top of their game too. Independent of the blocking and uh, receiving deficiencies that Jay keeps played with last night, just, just him himself, what questions did you have about him coming out of last year? And what questions might you still have, and which is he addressed? Well, it's almost unfair to judge the quarter the quarterback position when you haven't solved a lot of the problems. You know, I think the the place to the quarterback is the easiest player to blame. You know, really, the head coach and the quarterback are the ones who get too much credit and too much blame. I mean, it works both ways now. You get when you when things go good, you get more credit than you deserve, and when things go bad, you get more blame than you deserve. But because I still, you know, what I really didn't factor, and this is the God's honest truth, because this is a big picture thing that we haven't talked about. But what I really didn't factor in when I came here, there was one. I wouldn't say a mistake, but just one thing that I really didn't factor in is when I got rid of all those guys the first year, how I was really taking a bad team and making them worse. You took a bad team, a team that was already not good, and when you got rid of all those guys, you made them worse. Now, you did it for the right reason. I mean, so that the flip side of that is there's nothing wrong with doing it. But I think that I... When you go and you expect to be more on the level of fighting to get to 500 in your second year, and you're still only winning three games, I mean, one thing I really didn't factor in as much is what, how, how, how limited a roster you were leaving yourself with after you did that. Now, fortunately, now our roster is, is pretty full. And not that we're, not that we're loaded with talent you know, stacked and racked at every position. But I think that now that no longer is the issue. The infrastructure now has been rebuilt with a predominantly junior-senior team that you're playing with. And usually that's the teams that win, the teams that have infrastructure and depth that are predominantly junior-senior teams. You know, that usually sets you up for a better chance for success. And this would be the year that it paid dividends by getting rid of the guys who didn't. Affect That's right, the game. but you know, but you know, you it cost you the second year. Really becomes like the first year. That's not making excuses. That's just trying to look at it in practical, you know, practical sense. You you don't factor in when you you can twenty nine players. 
You know, you don't factor that in because you already say, okay, here's what you got, and then you get rid of half an M. Okay, now, now it's taken you an extra year just to change your infrastructure. Really, it shouldn't be that tough to analyze what we've done recruiting the last two years. You know, where everyone will say, well, I don't like when they take all those junior college guys. When you get rid of all those guys, there's so many glaring holes to fill. You can't do that with high school kids. They're not re there's not 20 of them that, that you can figure that are that, that close to being able to play. Maybe a third of them. I mean, you bring in your high school kids, usually a third of them you get, you know, you get some kind of meaningful contribution their freshman year. But the rest of them, they're either getting redshirted or you're not getting a ma meaningful contribution. So then you change the second year and you go more high school guys because now there aren't as many spots to fill. And now you settle in each year. Each year it's going to be what do you need? Okay, if, if, there's, if you're losing four offensive linemen, okay, if, as long as you have guys behind them that you think are good enough to start, you could take high school guys. If you don't have guys that are good enough to start, then you better go take. You better go find a bunch of older junior college guys to go ahead and fill those spots. And it's not going to be that way with every position. You know, you know, like this year we wanted to go heavy. We wanted to go heavy on freshmen, a high school defensive lineman. That's why we're bringing a whole bunch of them in. Okay, and and next year we probably won't bring in a bunch of junior college defensive linemen again because of the situation we're in now. You know, whereas at other positions, like you're going to lose four, you're going to lose four receivers. You know, because McKay's gone, okay, Harwell's gone, Tony's gone, and Terzilli's gone. So that's four guys you're losing. Now, as long as you think that you got enough guys that are front line guys behind them. You can take high school guys, and on reality, we'll probably take half and half. Probably take a couple of high school guys and a couple of junior college guys because you want to make sure that you have enough guys that are ready to play right now. So, it'll, you know, now we're finally at the stage now because the infrastructure has now been established. Now you take what you need, not take what you have to. And two years ago, we, I kind of felt that we, had, we, we, we could not get, be competitive if we just sat there and took us 25 high school kids. Coach, what have you seen from the offensive line this spring? Well, I mean, it's been pretty constant. You know, the right tackle's been the right tackle with the first group the whole spring. The right guard's been the right guard. You know, the, the center was a little bit of a competition, but it's really, it's really not that close. The left guard's been the left guard. The left tackle's been the one, uh, one spot where it's been, you know, been too close to call. So you know what that's what's happened because of that? We've you unusually have built continuity in the spring that that normally doesn't play out that way. You know, usually you don't play with that many guys together on almost every snap. But it's been that way pretty much every snap. You know, you guys were at practice, you saw David Martin's playing been playing right tackle. Why? Because we had three guards that we thought were all starters. And the guy that was best suited to play right tackle, by far the strongest, you know, the guy who, uh, in the weight room measurements, by far the strongest is 73. You know, so he, now he's sitting over there at right tackle with Smithburg next to him, you know, and you got Nalo on the other side. Now all of a sudden you took those three guards and you turn it into a starting tackle and two starting guards. You know, you helped yourself immeasurably. 
Is there an update on the quarterback competition for you guys? Well, you guys were the, you know most of you guys were there on on Saturday. It's pre, it's it's pretty obvious that there's now there's kind of tears. You know, I think it's you know there's not a starting quarterback, but you know if you were, if we had a play in two weeks, it would be between nine and two. That's who the starter would come between, and in all likelihood, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of them both playing because they do different things. But I'm saying because we got plenty of time. They've separate. They've separated themselves by their play, you know, from the pack. Now, you know, you have different tiers now. I think Jordan's a little bit behind. I think Michael and TJ is a very similar situation, okay, to Jake and Montel. They don't have the same skill sets. They're not exactly the same. So really, the battle between those guys is very similar. To the battle between Jake and, and Jake and Montel. Now we're ready offensively to gear ourselves, you know, gear ourselves towards whoever's the, whoever's the main guy. You know, we're ready to gear ourselves. But when you install, you have everyone do everything, so you see what you have. But right now, like when I said there's been separation, everyone felt that I was naming a guy. That's not true because I couldn't tell you right now for sure who would be the guy. But I'd say that. Uh, I'd say that, that both Jake and Montel are clearly, clearly ahead of the pack. And with that one, too close to call. And the good part about that is, you know, you know you're going to get ready to play us. You know, you guys don't think the way I think, but you're going to get ready to play us. The longer we go without saying who the quarterback is, the better it is. Okay, because I'm getting ready to play, I'm getting ready to play Kansas. You know, Montel and Jake are two different guys, and they know it. Okay, they know it's not the same guy, so they're going to have to decide. You know, you know, you know, they're going to study John's offense. They're going to break down all the Rice games, and then they're going to watch our game to decide. Okay, what are they going to do when this guy's in the game, and what are they going to do when that guy's in the game? I mean, and we know what they're going to do, so then we game plan accordingly because we know what they're going to do. So. I mean, it's not we're, we're smarter than them, just everyone kind of figures it out. Has Skyler Miles had a good spring? It looked like he was getting some reps. Yeah, Skyler, we're, we're, look, we don't want to take Ben Heaney off the field, you know, but Ben Heaney's going to have to be off the field some during the game. But what Skyler's done, is, and Skyler and Jake is kind of too close to call. Okay, so Jake, if we went out there to play today, Jake would go out there first, but Skyler would be out there maybe the next series. And then when Ben needed Ben needed a rest, instead of putting somebody else in there right now, what we would then do is bump Jake over, uh, Jake over to Mike and play Skyler and Mike in there together. We've really been rolling those three guys, those three guys with the first group for two spots. This way taking some tread off of, of Ben as well. Because if Ben had his way, he'd never leave the field. You know, he'd just stay out there for every play. Coach on Saturday, other than stay healthy, what would you like to get done by the end of the day? Not get injured. <laughs> no, I mean I know stay healthy, and not get injured are the same thing, aren't they? Well, um, I would like to see the way when you when I would like first of all, I'd like the fans to have some fun, and the way I've uh, laid this out now. Um, 
come come halftime, it's gonna the game will get very interesting. Now you have to wait till then to find that out. But I mean, it it, it wouldn't you say it's a kind of an interesting concept, Katie? We have an, it's it's interesting. So we'll just I would like there I would like to be in the second half of the spring game with guys feeling some pressure to try to try to win a game, even though it's just a spring game. But at the same time, I would like the players to have some fun. I would like to see good execution. I don't want to turn the ball over on offense. I want to get turnovers on defense. So I'm talking out of well, that's what the head coach is supposed to root for, right? Whenever there's a turnover, there's something good and something bad. It happens on each play. But I would like to see the operation on offense show efficiency because the operation is the newest thing that we have going here. Other than that, you know, everyone's going to Several players are going to get an opportunity to play, a lot of them, a lot more snaps than they've seen the whole spring. I mean, there's guys like Marcus Jenkins Moore and Kellen Ash who haven't gotten a lot of reps this spring. Well, they're going to get a whole bunch of reps in the spring game. So, you know, it gives them an opportunity. Let's, let's see what we got. So I think there's a lot of players that are going to get an opportunity to do things. But the bottom line is like, like your premise in the beginning – I mean, you want to come out of that, with all that, that being said, you want to come out of that relatively injury-free so you can go into the offseason feeling good about it. Moving Keon Stowers away from those um, to the outside, is that to have him be more of a playmaker for you guys? He's not outside. Okay. What, what do you think was the most important thing that you got accomplished this spring, either side of the ball? I mean... Well, let's start with the defense, okay? Uh, there were some questions, like that question about Keon was based off of based off of a defensive end coming in that could play that position so we could keep Keon at nose because we already knew we had some guys that could play nose. Keon was the best of those guys, okay? So Keon would be the best alternative to move to end if we needed him. But, you know, with the play of, you know, with Bolton's play, where we could elevate Bolton to that spot allowed us to move Keon back in to where Keon is most natural, which is, you know, back inside. Um, as far as the defense goes, I think that because it was the second year in a system that had already evolved, I think that, 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 that it gave the players really an opportunity to turn it loose pretty good, and, and that they have. You know, we've had to integrate a couple of players, but really not that many. You know, most of the guys – are returning guys. I mean, we have a lot of experience on defense. On offense, obviously, the whole key thing was getting the system taught. You know, I talked to John and the offensive staff this morning about what their key goal in the spring. Like, they haven't spent time game planning. They haven't spent time scheming against against our defense. You know, it's been more about installation and, and getting used to the procedure of running a no-huddle offense. Have you seen uh, gains from Montel Cozart accuracy-wise? Yeah, Montel the other day and, and uh, had a really productive day in the team settings and the seven on seven. He didn't have he didn't have the best period, but he's thrown the ball pretty well in the spring. He's completed about seventy-five percent of his passes. You know, in, in the springtime, you know, he's at a high completion percentage for the for for the spring. I mean, he can make all the throws. He's done a better job of reading reading coverages. And, you know, the one thing he brings to the table is his feet. You know, if you take all those other things, you know, 
you know, you got to be worrying about his feet on every play, not only his arm. You know, and he he has a chance to be he has a chance to be a really really good player. How much have you seen TJ improve from the time he's gotten here last I think that uh, I think that TJ is running in in that second competition because he's he's mentally he's as sharp as anyone and and physically it hasn't worked out as well uh, as it has for some of the other guys. Now, that being said, on, on Saturday was one of the best days he's had. So you remember now, he's the newest member of this, this group right here. You know, the one thing you can count on with, with TJ is TJ's going to strive and keep on battling until he gets to the top of the chart whenever that may be. Whether it's this year or next year, I don't know what it ends up being. But, you know, He's as sharp as a tack, and I think that always gives you an and, and he and he's got good leadership about him, so I think it gives him an opportunity as he's, you know, as he's got involved in this big competition to just, you know, methodically work his way up. Do you meet with guys individually at the end of spring, or is there no time for that? No, we meet. What we'll do is next week we'll spend Monday and Tuesday. We'll spend Monday and Tuesday, uh, basically on the spring game and running, writing up postseason evaluations on every player. Then on Wednesday and Thursday, we'll meet with every player and go over those postseason evaluations of every player because I always believe in the players knowing, you know, right after spring exactly where they are and how we see it, not how they see it. This is not, well, what do you think? This is, you know, based off of what you've done, this is what, this is what we think. And that'll take place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. Running's back, running backs coach, any separation there? Well, really, you know, Taylor's been banged up a lot of the spring, so it's been Brandon and Darian. And, I mean, with all three of those guys, you can put any of them in there, you you know. They're, they're all front-line guys. I mean, I mean, I think that – I think when it's all said and done, you know, Brandon, Brandon's been the, the lead dog for most of the time. Darian's been almost rep for rep with him. And when Taylor's healthy, he's been getting equal reps with both of them. But he's been banged up some. So, you know, he just got just started getting a whole bunch of reps last week because he, he, had, he had missed some time. So, I mean, I feel a lot – I feel very confident with all those guys. With all that – with all those upperclassmen, your, your, your leadership has to be pretty solid. I mean, is that something you've noticed this spring? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes in different years I've done different things when it comes to captains and leadership and all that other stuff. I think because of the number of older guys and the leadership we have, uh, what we, we won't pick captains till right before the season, to let, let everything matriculate, let, you know, let, let, let it all play out. Um, what I will do is I will end up appointing uh, a leadership group for, you know, for the summertime. You know, you know, and, you know. For example, both those quarterbacks have to be in it. You can't pick one quarterback and not the other because, you know, you, know, you got to pick the quarterbacks that are going to be in there. So it won't be just Jake. It'll have to be Jake and Montel. Okay, because if right now if they're leading in the competition, what you don't want to do is pick one guy and then the other guy ends up being a quarterback. You know, but um, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of guys. You could rattle off some guys, and, you know, sometimes you pick the best players. I like to pick the guys that are, 
that are, that are frontline players, but that are also leaders. And the one thing it's really tough to do, it's tough to be a leader when you're not playing. Now, you, you really have to be playing. And the guy who taught me that, I just told the staff this this morning, was Phil Sims. You know, back in 1991 when, you know, he, he now became the backup to Hostetler. And we were struggling a little bit. And I was a young coach, I, second year in the league. I went to him and I said, Phil, why don't you talk to these guys? He goes, Charlie. He goes, you can't be the leader when you're not out there. He goes, they'll respect what you say, but they can't follow you because you're not out there. Learned a valuable lesson, courtesy of Phil Sims. Talking to other guys in his position group, it seems like Parallel is clearly a leader. He's a, he's a natural leader. You know, I'm glad we have him. And he's a hard worker. He's driven. They follow him. And he jumps on everybody. Everybody. He doesn't care. Doesn't make a difference. Fearless. And they respect him. Thank you, Miami Bohau. You enjoyed having Bernie around? Well, I drive him nuts and he drives me nuts. So, you know, I've known Bernie for a long, long time. It's nice to have him around have a, a veteran guy with his presence and his demeanor. You know, the, the, the players, you know, love him being around there. He's, he's been there, done that, you know, between a player and a coach in both college and the pros. I mean, and, and not only that, he's a really good person. He's a very, very, very positive role model. Any others? Because they're so different, they both bring uh, different strengths. Jake and Montel, uh, do you not believe in the phrase, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks? Well, I, I do believe that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one, unless you intend to use them both in different ways. I think if you intended to use them both in the same way, then then, then you're, you're in trouble. Okay, but if we had we were playing both of those guys, which right now, if we played this week, we would. We wouldn't use them the same way. That doesn't mean we'd devise two different game plans. We'd, we'd feature these with the one guy, and we'd feature these with the other guy, so that you're playing to their strengths. But not, not so much so that it becomes obvious to the defense what's coming in. Well, first of all, the, what the, when Jake's in there, they're more afraid of drop back passing. When Montel is more in there, they're more worried about him running. Well, you know that and I know that. So now you game plan accordingly, knowing what they know. Any last questions? I'm not saying I'm not saying much Saturday, just saying it was a beautiful day, nice turnout. You know, we're healthy. You know, that's about what I want to say. Anything you're curious about yourself going into Saturday that, that those conditions might show you that you haven't seen so far? I mean, is there anything you really want to see? No, I just want the pl I just want the players to finish the spring, and I want them as they go into the off season. 
obviously you go into a critical time as a student to start off with because it's crunch time. You know, it's the middle of April. You got a couple of weeks left of the a couple of weeks left of the academic calendar. Okay, then it's then it's exams. So obviously it's crunch time there. All right, so there's three or four weeks that they're going to be around that that is a major point of influence. If there's anyone banged up, I want them to get, I want them to go ahead and get healthy. But I think that I said to the team last December, okay, two words. Okay, and those two words were, it's time. You know, Kansas football has been down here for the last bunch of years. 2007, 2008, you know, a couple of good years there. Hasn't been, we haven't been good in a while. And as I told everyone when I came here, the goal was to get Kansas back to being a winning football program. Well, you have to set a bar to get to there, first of all. Before you can be a perennial winning program, you got to at least, you know, the first thing you got to do is get to 500. Okay, so I think that the number one thing is these players, you know, that are predominantly veterans, you know, older guys, and a lot of them with experience, have to get us to there first. That's the first, that's the first major hurdle we have to get to. Because once you've crossed that, once you have attained that goal, once you've crossed that bar, okay, once you've, once you've gone over that hurdle, okay, then you could shoot, then, then you shoot for the moon. Okay, and I think that that's where our team is right now. You know, I mean, that's, and I couldn't have said that last year. I couldn't have said it the year before that, but I think that that's where they are. I mean, everyone else, they can't worry about the expectation on the street they can't worry about the expectation in, in, in the media. You know, they have to set their own. They have to set their own bar, okay? And then, then they can't settle for anything but attaining. And I think that that's, you know, that's more than anything else as we go into this offseason. That's what I want happening. Last chance. John, you want to finish up with one stupid recruiting question just so I can feel good? What stupid recruiting question did I answer? <laughs> when you talked about that. The JUCO kids, you know, I'm not going to go into exact numbers, you know, of everyone, but there are some positions that, you know, for example, DBs, you're, you know, you're losing, you're losing Cassius, you're losing Dexter, and you're losing Jacory. Okay, wide receivers, you're losing those four guys. Offensive linemen, you're losing those four guys. You'd have to think at all those positions, you know, it's not going to be just high school kids that you're filling that void with. Now, a lot of the other positions, you know, you feel a lot better because the guys that are playing, it's not just all seniors that are playing, so to speak, if you know what I'm saying. You know, you've got other guys that are in that mix.